we, uh, we met just as elders a few uh, a week and a half ago and, and just tried to plan through what are we doing and moving and, and thought, okay, we probably knew, do need to consider how we go on from September. And so that's why Sandy was just talking about possibility, you know, going back to St. James's School in, uh, in September. And that is where we're looking at the moment. Although long term, we, we have made this decision that we really want to lean into church planting and what that could look like. But I think short term, we will probably need to look because we're, we're nearly at sort of capacity here. So anyway, it's just really good to be thinking and planning ahead what God um, has for us in the future. And um, Sandy, I don't feel judged in any way by what I look like on Wednesday mornings. But (laughs) there aren't very, very many advantages of having absolutely no hair, but that is one of them. You can just rock up and nobody judges you. Uh, If you, can you turn to your, in your Bibles, please, to uh, Psalm chapter 88. And um, you know, occasionally when you, when you have the news and it says, uh, please beware, uh, this uh, this following article may contain flashing images, so don't, you know, don't look at it. If you don't like flashing images, don't look at it. Or, or sometimes you might see a news report and it says, uh, please beware, you know, uh, viewer discretion is required here. There may be some sort of like difficult scenes that you might want to watch. Uh, Psalm 88 needs one of those warnings, by the way, just to let you know. Because we're going we're gonna to look, try and understand something about depression. And this psalm, to be honest with you, is quite a dark psalm. And we'll read it, and then you'll think, why on earth is this psalm in the Bible? But I believe God has some amazing things uh, to say to us through it this morning. And we're just, I'm going to read the whole psalm, if that is okay. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose amongst the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hands. You have put me in the depths of the pit. In the regions of the dark and deep, your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You've caused my companions to shun me, and you've made me a horror to them. I'm shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, and I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up and praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors, I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close me in together 
You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. And my companion, my companions have become darkness. Well, if you're not feeling depressed before, you might be now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my word, what a psalm. Why on earth is this psalm in the Bible? You know, some of us can, can feel low uh, sometimes, and we, we may have a, a few days when we feel slightly down, but depression is different. And um, depression can be complex and it can vary widely, but it's this persistent sense of feeling sad and hopeless and have lost interest in all the things that you enjoy. And sometimes depression can hit us when seemingly for no reason at all. We don't really understand why depression has hit us. And if you go to the NHS website, and I'd encourage you to go to the NHS website, and it, it says that there's a whole list of symptoms from continually feeling low or sad and tearful and guilt-ridden and irritable, down to feeling anxious and worried, down to thoughts of suicide and self-harm. And physically, you can have all sorts of unexplained aches and pains, a lack of sleep, disturbed sleep, and then you begin to avoid contact with your friends and family, and you withdraw from social context. And but the reason that we are doing this series on mental health is because at the moment there is the, actually the, the understanding that there are lots of us who are going through some of these issues. That we've been isolated, you know, we've been drawn away from people and, and all the things that we, we thought we could rely on and all the things that we actually gave us support, they've been withdrawn little by little. And we almost need to fight to come back to this place of, oh, what is it that God is trying to say to us through it. And I, I just need to let you know, I'm not in any way going to attempt any medical or counselling perspective on depression, other than to say this, that within the church, we must move away from a place of judging people who have depression, and just simply move to a place of pastorally standing with one another, you know, and carrying one another's burdens. That's what we're supposed to do. And yet sometimes I, I find that in a church, because you know when we come here and, and I, just, I, so, I just so loved worship, you know, and I, I, and I came in, actually when I came in earlier before the service started and Andy and Zoe were, were, were just rehearsing and I thought, I was almost arrested by the sense of the presence of God and, and God's goodness and the way that he forbears with us and comes with us and, and carries us and, and we want to be in this place of joy and yet how can we be a, a body of believers that are in this place of joy worshipping Jesus and yet still we just know that sometimes we're really quite broken people. And we have to get to this place of carrying that paradox and that, that difference before we look in detail at a few of these verses in Psalm 88, um, I just want to answer one quick question that, that I th think a few people have wondered, is it a sin to be depressed? No. I'm not going to ask you to vote on it, okay, by the way. And I found something on the, the Billy Graham website. And somebody asked a question, I quite like Billy Graham and what he's done over the years. And he's just straight down the line and it says, um, somebody asked this question, um, is it a sin to be depressed? 
The doctor says I have a chemical imbalance in my brain that he can treat with medication, but a friend of mine says that I shouldn't do this because I just need to pray and have more faith. Who is right? Because I can't stand this much longer. And I just, I'm just going to read the answer that uh, the Billy Graham website uh, gave before we begin to look at Psalm 88. He said, let me first ask, ask you a question. If you broke your arm in an accident, do you think your friend would claim that it was a sin for you to have a broken arm and all you needed to do was to pray? I doubt it. Neither is it a sin for you to seek treatment for a chemical imbalance in your brain. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and it's true. Our bodies and minds are very complex, and although doctors can't solve all our problems, we should be grateful that God has enabled them to understand more about our bodies and minds and has given them new ways to overcome many of our problems. Don't feel that you are somehow sinning by seeking treatment for your depression. It would be wrong for you not to seek treatment. Don't misunderstand me, however. God has given us the gift of prayer, and prayer should be an important part of your life as you struggle with this problem. Through prayer, we can draw near to God, and the closer we can get to him, the more we will realise that he loves us and wants to help us. Make sure you have your commitment to Christ, and then ask him to guide you as you seek treatment. In addition, let God's promises saturate your mind and heart because the psalmist wrote, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in the Lord. I just wanted to say that up front. So there may well be reasons. There may well be reasons of sin that sort of kicked off depression. It may well be the fact that we live in a fallen world. Who knows? It's complex. But I think I just wanted to say that right at the very beginning. Let's not be fearful about seeking treatment for depression. You know, in, in the Psalms, there are so many Psalms where you clearly can see that the psalmist is depressed. You, you can see it in a number of different Psalms. And there's this lament, and it just says, oh, why, oh, soul, are you so downcast? And yet so many times that it starts with darkness, and it says, oh, God, I am in this dark place. I don't know what am I going to do. And yet at the end of the Psalm, it says but God. And it comes through and it goes through this journey of, I am in a dark place, but God, you have done this. Psalm 88 starts with darkness and ends with darkness. And we want to unpack it. Now, I've looked at some stuff by Tim Keller, Jamie Parsonage, who's doing, he's just done a counts, uh, course in counselling, he's given me some papers on depression and lament. And I think that there are, from that, I think there are four things that I feel God would want to say to us today. And if you are struggling with depression, or if you have struggled with depression, these are the four things that I believe God would want to say to you this morning. Firstly, God would want to say to you this, in the dark times, I am still your loving Heavenly Father. <laughs> And you are still my very much-loved, cherished child in the dark times. The second thing that I think God would want to say to you this morning is this. I want to give you a greater insight into my heart in the dark times. In the dark times, I want to give you a greater insight into my heart. The third thing, and we're just going to go through these points. The third thing is this. Through dark times, I want to transform you for greatness. And then the last thing is this, darkness is not forever. So let's go back, the first one is this. In the dark times, God says this, I am still your loving heavenly father and you are still my much loved and cherished child. 
Basically what it's saying is you can be a Christian and depressed. That's basically what it's saying. And there have been countless men and women through the ages who have struggled with depression. It says in here, in verse 1, it says, I cry out to you day and night. He's talking to God. In verse 9 it says, Every day I call upon you, O Lord. And in verse 13 it says, But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. And basically this, this psalm is, he is a believer. He is a Christian. He loves the Lord. And he is acutely depressed. And you know, sometimes we can have two types of darkness, can't you? You can have an outer sense of darkness, where lots of things will crowd in on your life, and things will be going really badly wrong, and you don't know how to cope, but you still know that God loves you. You know that. You know, things are falling apart, but you know that God loves you. But there's also an inner type of darkness, which isn't so easy. When everything is falling apart, and you don't know that God loves you. You wake up in the morning and there isn't a sense of God being good. The seed of hope has gone. And sometimes you can feel, I am on my own on this. Nobody else will understand it. Nobody else will be sympathetic. Nobody else will understand. Psalmist ends by saying, darkness is my friend. Or, forgive me for this, the lyrics of a song, life's a bitch and then you die. <laughs> oh, but it says, if you want to know the full lyrics, it's this, life's a bitch and then you die, that's why we get high. Because you never know when you're going to go, life's a bitch and then you die. I'm so sorry to say that. But that is what so many people think in this place of utter darkness. And why then on earth is Psalm 88 in the Bible? <laughs> why is it there? Because it doesn't offer the hope. And I tell you what, the one bit of hope that it offers is this, is that you have to understand that Christianity is real. And God understands our crippling fears. And he understands the all-pervasive darkness. And he understands the self-recrimination that we can get into and sometimes overwhelms us. He understands what it's like to be a human. And you know, sometimes when we feel, oh, I've given my life to Christ, and suddenly everything is going to be sorted. Everything is going to be easy. All my finances are going to be sorted. Health are going to be sorted. I'm going to sleep all the way through the night. I'm going to wake up at half past seven, like, just feeling as if the world is good. I've slept without a single shadow of doubt during the night. I'm always going to have parking spaces when I go to do my shopping. Everything is going to be sorted. And if you think that that is what Christianity is like, I just need to point you to somebody else whose life isn't very good or wasn't very good. Think what it was like for Jesus. It wasn't so good for him. <laughs> it wasn't. He had a life that was marked by intense pain and suffering and trauma and rejection. And ultimately, he was fatally betrayed. Not just by a random, but by one of his closest friends. I think the, the point... Psalm 88 is this, is to say that life is not always simple, easy and tidy. It's not. 
And God allows Psalm 88 to come into our lives to say, I understand. <laughs> I understand. This psalmist who wrote this is a guy called Hegan. Hegan, I understand that life is complex. My second point is this. God says this, I will give you greater insight into my heart in the dark times. I think if I asked for a little bit of a poll and said, when were the times when you have learned most about the Lord? I suspect that many of us would say, it's in the hardest points of my life. Without a shadow of a doubt, the hardest year of my life, and it, and it, it was actually probably about a 10 month period, I know without a shadow of a doubt that's the time where I learned the most about the Lord than any other time. It was a foundation that was put down in my life. If you look at these, um, these questions that Hegan the psalmist asks, I, I tr in the way that I read it, I tried to sort of like read it in the way that I think he wrote it because I think he wrote all sorts of sarcastic questions to God. I don't think he was asking these really simple questions, but he said, do you work wonders for the dead? I don't think you do. Do the departed rise up and praise you? Mm, I'm not sure. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? No. I think God was, he was asking all of these questions. And you know, we want, to, we want to tell the world how good God is, and we were praying that earlier, and you think we do, we want to be able to say, God is, the, God is a good God. But sometimes we have these questions that we can't help and they bubble up within us. And we want to say, God, it's always, always the same. You let me down. You've let me down again and again and again. And then the psalmist says, and to cap it all off, darkness is a better friend than you are right now, God. If I was God, I'd be saying, ow, it hurts. But I think God is again saying this, he understands when we're in a bad place. And I think God knows how I speak when I'm desperate. And I think God would say to us, I'm not your God because you wake up and you're happy in the morning. I, I am not your God because you've managed to get it all right. I'm not your God because you've managed to break through all of these different things. I'm not your God because the first thing you do when you wake up at, in the middle of the night is praise me. I am your God because I've chosen to be your loving Heavenly Father. It's called grace. It's called grace. He's chosen us. He, he's chosen us and it's not always dependent on us. I don't know if anyone has um, read, I, years ago I read this um, amazing book by a guy called Henri Nguyen. He, he read a, he's written lots of books, but he wrote The, the Return of the Prodigal Son. And I, I always, I just love it. But he struggled with depression for so many years. And he found that while, while the actual depression in itself wasn't something desirable, he knew that his depression was a means of divine grace into his life. And this is what he said. This is Henri Nguyen speaking. He said this. His depression, he said this, it certainly was a time of purif purification for me. My heart, ever questioning my goodness, value and worth, has become anchored in a deeper love and thus less dependent on the praise and blame of those around me. 
It has also grown into a greater ability to give love without expecting love in return. What once seemed like such a curse has become a blessing. All the agony that threatened to destroy my life now seems like the fertile ground for greater, greater trust, stronger love, and deeper hope. And you know, sometimes when we're in the dark places, we think, no, I'm, we're just consumed by the darkness. But God is saying this to us this morning. Now, in that place of darkness, I want to show you more of my love to you. Allow me to speak into the darkness. My third point is this, that through dark times, God can transform you for greatness. He can, he can transform you for greatness. The psalmist is praying some, saying some pretty mean things to God. He's making all sorts of accusations. But the point is this, who is he saying them to? He's saying them to God. <laughs> and sometimes when you get into this dark place, you want to moan to everybody in the world and you want to tell this that's going wrong and you moan to everybody and you say this and, and you think, oh, it's all going bad, everything's falling apart. But the point is the psalmist, who was he moaning to? He was moaning to God. He was, mo he was speaking to the Lord. Just, just think about um, Job, the character Job, for a moment. Satan comes along, okay, and Job's life was great. Everything was going really well. He was having a really good, you know, he was wealthy, he had a family, he had influence, he had power. Everything was going well. And then Satan comes along and says to God, um, God, you know your man Job, you know he only loves you because you make his life better, don't you? He, he only loves you because what he gets out of you. If you give him outer darkness, take away his family, let's see how he does then. And what's more, give him inner darkness, and trust me, he'll curse you. <laughs> so he take, Satan comes and says to God, now give him inner, inner and outer darkness, and he'll curse you. And I think, you know, to be really honest with you, we, we all come to Christ because we've got a place of need. I, I need forgiveness for my sins. I need salvation. I need Jesus to come and work in my life. But have you ever been in a place where you've been taken advantage of? Have you ever had a, somebody who, who connects with you as like your friend, and then after a while you realise that they're not actually your friend at all? They're just using your friendship because through you they're hoping that some door might open or some opportunity might come up or they might get to meet some other person. And I I've, been, <laughs> I've been in moments like that, and you feel, well, you just feel used. You know, you just feel, oh, you feel a bit gutted. And you thought, oh, I thought there was this friendship going on. But it's not, they were just using me to get to something else. Now, my salvation, I need Jesus, and I need my salvation. I need that. But you know, God says, I want to draw you into a place of friendship with me. And we don't want to get to that place where we just are using God for what he gives us. I want to be in that place where I love Jesus. 
where I love the work of the Spirit, where I love the Heavenly Father, not just for what he can give me, but for who he is. You know, everything that Job just moaned about, about God all the time, I don't know if you know, but he just moaned about, his, about God all the time. He said, oh, God's done this, and, and all these friends came in to try and advise him, and he said, yeah, God's done this. But at the end of it all, what did God say? He said, Job has honoured me more than most. Because Job stayed in this relationship. And I think when we're in a dark place, when Job was in a dark place, he kept talking with God. And I think when we're in a dark place, we still need to just hold on to God. When we're in a dark place, I just encourage you to still keep praying, still keep coming to church, still keep reading your Bible, still keep loving your neighbour. And I think when we're in that, when we're in those dark places and we can learn like Job, even though everything else seems to be falling apart, now we're still going to keep talking with God. I believe that that is when God builds a resilience in us that will stand the stead of time. I think sometimes when dark times come, God is also saying, okay, well, how are you going to do? What are you going to do at this moment? Are you going to withdraw from me? Or are you going to stay with me? The last point is this. Last time, uh, dark times don't last forever. The psalmist here, they thought they were going to last forever. They thought they were just going to go on forever. But this man who wrote this psalm, Hegan, he also wrote lots of other psalms as well. And some of these other psalms are full of joy and full of poetry and they're full of like, exaltation of God and they're full of good times. And it seems like this, that this darkness is just going to come on and, and stay with us. And if you're in a place of darkness and depression right now, it's really quite hard on us to see beyond it. And you think, Isn't, it's just never going to lift. What on earth is going to break it? And we, we will pray at the end. And we're going to have a time of ministry that God comes in and, and brings grace and light and, and mercy to our dark times. We will pray that. And we believe that God can break through. But I just want to go back for a moment and just think of Matthew 27, verse 45. Jesus on the cross and darkness descended and darkness covered the land and Jesus experienced darkness he experienced abandonment he, he experienced his father's wrath and God the father did not abandon Jesus and he will not abandon you he will not do that and this sarcastic question that the psalmist writes Will God raise the dead? My answer to that is, yeah, he will, actually. <laughs> yeah, he will. There will come a time, even if we struggle with depression for years and years, there will come a time when light will break through. And we're going to pray and we'll pray that, that you know, light breaks through now, that light breaks through today. And we believe that God can break depression over our lives. But even if he doesn't, even if we have this sense of ongoing depression for years and years and years, there will come a time when God will break through in his light. If you are in a dark place now, God wants to speak grace and truth and love into your life. Can I just ask you to stand with me, please?
Holy Spirit, we ask would you come now and break into our dark times. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and minister to us. I thank you for Psalm 88, Lord. I want to thank you that you allowed it to stay in the canon of Scripture. I thank you that you had a plan for it. I thank you, Lord, that for those of us who are struggling with depression this morning, I thank you, Lord, that your grace is there for us. I thank you, Lord, that we still can know what it is to be loved by you. Father, I thank you that even in depression, you want to show us more about your heart. I thank you that even in depression, O oh Lord, you, we can understand more about who we are. I thank you, Lord, that depression won't last forever and that by your spirit, you can break in to the dark times. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and minister into our hearts right now. Father, thank you. I'd like to invite you to uh, make a response. We're not doing this to, to identify you. I'm quite happy to keep my eyes closed or to humiliate anybody or to make you vulnerable. But in a moment, I just want to ask anybody who maybe is in a place of depression, has been in a place of depression, or maybe they're not in that place right now, but you feel vulnerable to depression. And I'm also aware that sometimes the, the people with depression may not want to be in the room. And so if you love somebody that struggles with depression, and if you're watching online, somebody that you feel won't be watching online, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to maybe open your arms out. Now open your arms out <clears throat> to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to break in to my life again. Holy Spirit. So if that is you, just open your arms out. As if you're going to be receiving something, somebody's going to give you something. And I believe the Holy Spirit is just going to come and move amongst us. And I, I think there's a song that, that Andy and Zoe have that I think is really going to minister to us in the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I want to ask now, would you come and break chains of depression over our lives? We know, O oh Lord, that you can work through the dark times. And we're going to trust that you will. But we pray, Lord, let the dark times not last forever. Let us learn all that you have for us. Let us see you in your glory. We ask you, Holy Spirit, come and flood over our lives again. Would you carry us, Lord? 
Would you please carry us in these moments? Holy Spirit. Father, thank you.